0: A harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. Jordan Peterson. Hey, my name is Zach and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue collar middle class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews, as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue collar middle class. Don't be a nice guy, be kind. Move through life with purpose and determination. We're all familiar with the term nice guys finish last, and that's because it's true, they do. Kind guys are in short supply and great demand. No one wants a meek, wishy-washy, nice guy. Be capable of harnessing your aggression and stand up for what's right. Don't just bend to people's will out of fear they may think you're hard to deal with. Be hard to deal with. Be a capable and willful individual. Have a purpose and strive towards it. Hey everybody, this week I kind of just wanted to talk about what, in my opinion anyway, is the difference between being a kind person and a nice person, as well as just the way that you can kind of harness that aggression, anger, whatever other kind of, you know, now viewed negatively, personality traits, if you will, Uh, it to me, it's just, there's so much more to this than, you know, than how how it's all portrayed in the media as this toxic masculinity. And it I don't know, (laughs) that term drives me nuts. But this this week, I just wanted to kind of talk about all the positives that go along with that. I mean, as you heard last week, kind of Three of the, you know, you can you can say they were just jokes for motivations behind work were anger, caffeine, frustration, uh, kind of echoed by the guys from Council for Maintenance. And well, yeah, like, there's a joke in that. It's also, it's true. I mean, hell, a, a lot of the time at work, it's all about kind of focusing that at that energy, but anger and frustration can really lead to getting a job done, <laughs> getting it done quickly. Like, I've had that a lot at work where... Sometimes a bolt's not loosening off or something's a little bit difficult and you do get pissed off, you get angry, and it just, as long as you can channel that and fuel that in the right direction, it can be a huge, huge boon to your just productivity and an actual outlook at work. As long as I can remember, kind of anger and aggression have been my biggest <laughs> driving forces. I mean, and again, I'm not saying that this is in any way... A healthy way to go about life. But even with this podcast, like when I want to record, and I I feel like recording, I have to be a little bit pissed off, I have to be a little bit angry at something. And the last two weeks, it's been pretty tough to actually record because it's been such a good couple weeks, like, you know, I had a bit of time away from the kids had some just date night with the wife, which we haven't had for quite a while with COVID and a newborn. And it was just it was nice. This this last couple weeks, it's been it's been difficult to get fired up to record this thing because I like to do it a little bit pissed off with a bit of a bee in my bonnet. And uh, well, it's been tough to come by that. Now that being said, once I kind of get rambling here and get the juices flowing, I'm I'm sure I'm going to get fired right up again for this. So like I said, I have used kind of aggression, anger as a fuel for a long time. I mean, growing up, as I've hinted at in here with from a broken home at a young age, I mean, there was no shortage of anger, hurt, aggression that that really kind of ran my life, ran my show for a while. Back in the day, you know, you you try to shove that all into the corners. I mean, we're all kind of raised just not to get too fired up about anything. That's the idea, uh, you know, kind of, and I, I did that exactly. I crammed it all into the deepest, darkest corners of my subconscious and just tried to keep it there. I, I didn't want to ever show any outbursts, ever get angry, nothing like that. Well, I I paid for that big time. Not just me, but kind of somebody who took the brunt of that. And I mean, yeah, a lot of the anger and aggression was built up towards this person. But six years ago, it kind of came to a head and it was 18 years worth of frustration that just reached its boiling point, you know, and there was something that happened that was, I guess, that little matchstick that lit the flame and Kaboom, the the top came off. And honestly, I blacked out. I cannot remember what was said. I'm sure some of it, I regret and I would take back but I, I can't remember what it was. And I think that's kind of the downfall of keeping all this stuff bottled up. So my case today is to basically make that don't bottle it up. And don't be ashamed of using that anger, that aggression, whatever you want to call it that, that masculinity, I guess, to really assert yourself and get those tasks done and moving forward with your life. And so as was stated by that opening quote, I mean, I'm going to try to make the correlation this episode that, you know, by harnessing this side of yourself and really acknowledging that it's there, not keeping it bottled up, not just trying to be the, again, air quote, nice guy. It just makes you a better person all around. I mean, again, so nobody who kind of just pretends to be all wishy-washy and nice all the time Is really a good person you know if you're harmless then you know what moral virtue is that if you're if you just oh well i'm just a nice guy you know i'm I'm harmless i couldn't do anything well it's way more advantageous to you and to those around you who you care about to be somebody who can assert their will uh, but keep that at bay or you try to recognize, you know, how it will benefit others around you. And that makes you a kind individual, it makes you a capable person, it doesn't make you just a meek sideline stander who, you know, just goes with the flow and doesn't really have their own will to exert on any situation. And so obviously, like, the one key of this all and kind of the idea of harnessing that side of yourself is knowing where to direct it, because we all get fired up, pissed off, angry, and there's no reason to just kind of, shrug that off, push it to the back burner, or think that it can't somehow be advantageous to us, because it absolutely can, if you can direct it the right way. And so in this episode, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about how it relates to work, family, life, relationships, but specifically at work, like if you want to get something done, and something that's been just roadblock after roadblock, pissing you off, slowing you up, whatever it may be, I mean, for me, myself, I get fired up, I get angry at it. And that's when I can really do my best work. I mean, again, it's the same thing with this podcast. If there's something that's driving me crazy or really pissing me off, it it's going to go into this podcast that I just I've now finally found that that idea of rather than bottling it all up, I'm I'm just finding outlets to aim it at. And it's, it's been hugely beneficial. I think I can't overstate how much it has helped me. And especially since I've been able to find these outlets. I mean, when I was a kid, It came out in sports, right? Like that was literally the only release valve that I had for, again, just being pissed off at my parents' relationship, at the situation that my family was in. I was able to kind of blow that release valve, just let off enough of it in soccer and ball hockey where, you know, it kept it manageable. I I wasn't doing enough, obviously, but at this time, like, you know, I found that it helped me greatly and it's why even now when I'm playing like pickup hockey or beer league hockey, whatever it is, I'm not one to really trash talk too much because I know how it affects me. Me personally, if I'm getting trash talked and I'm playing in net and, you know, the net front guy, he's jabbing you, he's saying a bit of shit to you under his breath, whatever, that fires me up. It doesn't take me off my game. It it hones me, if anything. Like, it that, that's how you get, how, how I get laser focused is by hearing that shit. So that's one thing that I don't do nowadays. I just... You know, I know how it affects me. I don't want to pass that advantage on to the people I'm playing against. And now, obviously, with hockey shut down, any kind of team sports shut down, and aside from the podcast, I mean, the other place that I can take that anger out at now is at the gym. And that's something, you know, it's where I feel I'm getting my best workouts in. It's where I'm fired up. I'm really trying to push through my personal bests, break new, you know, PRs, personal records. And that's just the way that I try to direct it. But I I can't stress enough, again, you've got to have an outlet for it, got to have something to point it at because otherwise it just sits, it wallows, it turns into resentment, it balloons, like it's just, it can be nasty. And that's where I think a lot of people do refer to it as kind of a toxic or ugly trait. Because if you don't have a release valve, you aren't able to direct it at something, it is going to fester. And then instead of being this fuel or whatever you could direct to that, now it just becomes a weight that you're carrying around, you know, resentment, envy, whatever it is, like, I've I've talked about that in recent weeks. But, you know, if you have something to direct it at, holy shit, the world better step out of your way. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, or in a, you know, tyrant way at all. It's just, if you find a way to direct that and turn it into assertion, good Lord, like, you're so much more capable at whatever task you're aiming at. And now rolling that right into work or your professional life, like, you know, we all know that air quote, nice guy who just kind of sits back, he takes whatever kind of shit job is shoveled at him. And I don't mean takes it, you know, head on wanting to kind of prove himself. I'm just saying that they put up with all this shit all the time, they put up with kind of being dumped on, you know, thinking, Oh, well, maybe this will get me ahead in the company. And you know what, over time, maybe it will maybe somebody up above who isn't taking advantage of you and just using you to finish all these little tasks is going to recognize it. Hopefully that happens. But, you know, if you can take these things head on and kind of really assert yourself, like, say, look, I'm done with these menial tasks, like, give me something heavier, give me a bigger burden, a a heavier task that I can take on and accomplish. And I can show you that I'm capable of doing that. And you know, you're going to fight for that raise, you're going to, you know, really push for it, you're not just going to get shoved around and you know, I mean, everybody knows this situation. I've seen it at work in countless different sites. The guys who are so concerned with being liked by everybody that it's not, it's almost at a detriment to their own self interest where you're no longer, you know, everything is about the company or everything is about this or that. And at some point, you just have to kind of put your foot down. And this is again, I'm not saying that, you know, if you're brand new to a job to then just all of a sudden demand raises, that's not it. And I think you guys understand that listening to previous episodes and everything and just the way that works. But you do have to stand up for yourself. And harnessing that aggression, that anger, that that is a great way to kind of prop yourself up as a capable individual. So you know, maybe you reach that boiling point, like (laughs) <laughs> it's funny. Uh, me and my my best friend here, we had this one day out in the oil field. And well, we call it the devil's dick day because you know, you've know ho- you you've heard days where it's colder than a witch's tit. Well, we said this day was colder than the devil's dick. It was the coldest day I have ever worked in oil field. We were, God, it was probably, so I know that our site safety shutoff was negative 45, I believe, before the wind chill. If it got that cold, we weren't allowed to work anymore. Well, this day was negative 42 plus wind. And we didn't know exactly what the wind chill factor was. And we were behind schedule on this job. So they weren't going to call us off site. Uh, They said, well, it's negative 42. You guys are working. So anyway, I can't remember if we were volunteered for this job or if we kind of knew it was coming up, but we had to work up on this exhaust stack. So we're working probably 60 feet in the air on a lift where the wind at that at that point isn't getting cut by any of the buildings. It's howling over the buildings and directly at us in this little man lift basket. And we had a little one ten volt outlet up there. We had a heat gun that we were using to, well, shrink wrap these connections that we were doing on this tiny eighteen gauge cable. It was the worst tech cable ever and it was from some garbage manufacturer because the, the outer insulation got so cold that we would try to cut it with a knife and it would just crack and fall apart. So we were you know, you're really trying to chisel away this little piece, so you can get a nice round kind of finish to the insulation so that you can fit it into the proper connector and you get a weather tight seal. That's the idea. So we had to get a nice cut on this cable. It's not easy. So we we had the heat gun trying to heat up the insulation trying to heat up our hands because this is all again, tiny, tiny little cables. You can't do with big with big winter mitts on. So we had bare hands that then we would throw back into our gloves. And so the one guy's job was just to run this heat gun, warming our fingers, and warming each other's faces. We had bella on with safety glasses, hard hats, you know, the oil field ordeal. So we were so cold and so done. At some point, the safety inspector came over because we were the only ones working at height that day. And in that wind, you know, they kind of realized it was going to be pretty bad up there. So they come over me and him are pissed right off. Like I've this is one of the most angry days I've ever had at work. And it was, anyway, I'll get to the end of the story. So pissed right off. We come down, the safety guys, like you guys got to go inside. You got to warm up. Sure enough, we go in, look in a mirror. Like both of us have frost nip across. Basically, if you have your bella clava, you put your hands up like you're doing goggles or binoculars to your eyes. Like that was the only area that was exposed from our from our face. But all across the bridge of our nose, eyebrows, uh, right around our eyes was all waxy and white. We had been frostbit. Pretty good. So, all this is a long way of saying we had to come down, go into the electrical building nearby, warm up. We would be allowed to be out in the work for about 35 minutes, and then we would have to be inside for 15 minutes and rotate that on and off all day. Well, that's not very realistic when the lift is so cold, the hydraulics are so frozen that it takes you five minutes to get down from height, and then it takes you about 12 minutes to get up to height. And that's with this thing running all day. Uh, The hydraulics just wouldn't warm up, it was way too cold. And so, you know, we ended up pushing it a number of times that day, We, we were trying to get this job done, we didn't want to be out there again the next day. So anyway, we get this task done, it was widely recognized. I mean, after the safety inspector reported back to our foreman to the site super to everybody, like they knew the working conditions we were in, and we were pissed. And so we came in at the back the end of the day, and our foreman goes, hey, like, two cables, it took you guys 24 man hours. You know, two guys, a 12-hour shift to get that thing done. Like, what's the deal here? And (laughs) I remember just losing my mind in the office. Like, you know, it's easy for you to say that. Like, you sitting there punching away on your keyboard. Like, here you go, punching the keyboard. And uh, anyway, like, we we had a good laugh. We still have a good laugh to this day. Like, but I was livid. I'd never been so mad in my life. I mean, they just realizing what we had done all day the the environment that we were working in and just the task that was at hand and it was funny because yeah we kind of all exploded we you know tempers flared a little bit there in the office but then the next day at the safety meeting like we were both recognized for taking on this monumental task and you know we got a bit of recognition for it I mean even my foreman came up and said you know like sorry about yesterday like you guys did a great job. Like I realized the stress you guys were under the the environment that you were working in. And it ended up really, we gained a lot of points for that, I think, because we kind of stood up at the end of the day, we didn't roll over and just say, yeah, sorry. You know, it was a long day we, you know, and, and try to make up excuses. Like it was, it was a brutal day, we were both fired up. And we had put everything we had into that day, just you couldn't make it go faster. If you tried, we were we're in horrible situations, a horrible environment to work in. So, you know, in that kind of, in that moment, like it really paid off standing up for ourselves and making a statement as to what happened that day. Now, I've also had this go very awry and go the opposite direction where I had no control over anger, aggression, anything that was going on. I ended up throwing a a 12-inch wrench across sight at somebody. I missed them, but I hit the... Uh, the steel structure right around them. But anyway, that was a a different story for a different day. But it was not one of my proudest moments in trying to harness or use that that aggression to really assert my will on a job. I, uh, I definitely failed that time. That's another story for another day. But yeah, the key is to keep it under control and really direct it at something that's productive. Now, when it comes to relationships, I mean, again, this goes right along with the title. Nice guys finish last. Um, we were all very familiar with this probably, I think the first time I heard it was roughly around eight to 10, you know, you're in elementary school, you've got a crush on a girl and you know, that's what you get told (laughs) when they don't like you back. Nice guys finish last, which again, it's, it's kind of misleading because I do think being kind and being a capable and caring individual is good. And that shouldn't be, shouldn't be confused with, the nice guy that I'm talking about. So it is true, though, you know, nice guys do finish last when it comes to that kind of stuff, you, you want to be capable, you don't want to appear like you're spineless, or you'll just kind of move along with whatever the flow is doing. And I could go into a lot of what's happening nowadays, socially, I'm going to try to avoid it as best as I can. But stand up for yourself, you know, kind of grow a bit of a spine and have have values or have things that you believe in and you you do stand up for. It doesn't have to be, and again, I'm not saying being rigid in any belief system, like you've got to be open to learning. That was my favorite quote. It was the reason why I was highlighted as kind of the little snippet for the interview with Kyle is just, you know, you've got to be open to learning. If you stop learning, you start dying. Like that's the way it is. So I'm not talking about being rigid or too stubborn in anything, but do stand up for yourself. Do have, a purpose, and move through life with that purpose in mind, move through it with a will and a real direction that you're heading at. And I think that that rolls, again, right into relationships, because that's picked up on by by people, I think, again, this is going to be some wild off the wall shit, because I don't know what I'm talking about here. But I do think women pick up on that probably better than guys do, I think they can really, they have a better sense of that a better sense of who you are, just by picking up on kind of the aura or the, the energy that you bring into any situation. I think they're way better at that than guys are. And think about that when you're kind of moving through life, you don't want to just be this jellyfish that just kind of bobs up and down in the waves doing whatever everybody else does, like, have a bit of a spine, have a bit of a personality, really. And again, this can be I guess toxic in in some ways. I mean, if you want to listen back to an interview that I had with the author Anthony Blankenship, he goes into this extremely well in in how this can go overboard, but you really have to find that that kind of golden zone, as he calls it. You have to find that happy medium where you can really use it for your benefit for your advantage. and that's what I'm talking about here. Uh, don't be some misogynistic moron, but you've got to stand up for yourself, you've got to stand up for the things you believe in. And that gets picked up on in relationships. It's same with once you're in that relationship. I mean, my wife wants to know that I'm going to be able to stand up for her. You know, she doesn't want somebody who's just going to bow down to whoever may confront her or confront me. She wants somebody who's going to stick up for her and the kids. And that's something that I've really tried to embody. It's something that I, I try to actively kind of cultivate and grow within myself. Because there's nothing anybody hates more than somebody who's just spineless and can't can't stand up for other people. And this is kind of moving into a happy medium between relationships and then how it relates to being a mentor or being a parent. You know, we've got friends and I look at my friends and I've I've been starting to think about this more kind of in preparation for this episode, but I look at my closest group of friends and they all have this this capacity. Like I know that they are capable of being you know, pretty stubborn, pretty aggressive. They've, they've got this side harnessed, but they've got, they've got that in them. They move with purpose. They have real conviction and like moral virtue. If you want to call it. I don't want to get too like stupid here, but you know, they've got that. And I look at them and they're all incredibly capable human beings. And it's what I look up to in them. It's what I, what I try to surround myself with and what I really aspire to be in most cases. So you don't think about that when you with when you're thinking about who you surround yourself with too i mean we all know those guys who are the nice guys who at the same time kind of maybe creep your wife out or creep your girlfriend out and it's like oh well what what are you picking up on that i'm not and that again rolls into why i think women are just way better with this sixth sense and and picking up on this stuff but you know <laughs> it's always uh you know, a little bit creepy those kind of guys. It's same with the it's the same kind of douche chills that I get when you see a an overly feminist man. Like it's not a, I'm all for equal rights, equal everything across the board, don't get me wrong, but at the same time when you see somebody really pushing it overboard, you you kind of got to wonder what the secondary motivation is there. And now in being a mentor and a father, I mean, I'll start with mentor because I think it's a little bit trickier, it's it's pretty obvious with how it rolls into being a parent, I, I believe anyway. But when you're a mentor, like I've seen it before, too, where you've got a journeyman, or, you know, maybe it's a senior sales rep or something, I don't know, whatever field you're in. And they just get pushed around by the the attitude of one of their apprentices. And it's, it's infuriating, because well, for one, it kind of, it usurps that, that kind of power hierarchy at a job site, you know, you've got You've got the foreman, then you've got, you know, lead hands, journeymen, whatever, and then you've got apprentices below. And you've got to kinda it works that way. Like that's just the way the system goes and it it functions well that way. But when you start to get apprentices or somebody really starting to bully the journeyman and kind of assert their will, it just it throws everything off because a lot of the times they don't have the same technical knowledge or experience that the journeyman does. And so if you're in that journeyman position, you've, you've got to be able to assert your will a little bit. You've got to kind of show that you're capable, show that this is what you do, you know how to do this job, and you do have a certain level of authority over the people who are working underneath you, and that you've earned that through, you know, your work, your schooling, your studying, whatever the case may be, you've earned that position. And so you do need to keep in mind that sometimes that means asserting that dominance or that that authority a little bit. Not to be, again, not to be a tyrant, but, to, you know, this is your job. You have to do your job as well, which is mentoring these people beneath you and directing them to, through the right course of action for that job. And this can be especially difficult for what we call a green journeyman, somebody who's just freshly graduated to that next level, who just finished their schooling, and I mean, I can relate directly to this. I mean, I'm, again, I'm not a very big guy. I'm not an overly aggressive person. I just have the odd outburst. But I had I had an issue with this. I I wasn't very assertive when I first got my journeyman license. And I, you know, I maybe did get pushed around by a few apprentices. I just, it's tough to kind of direct people when you're not used to it. And so if you're a green journeyman, Sometimes what I like to do is like, I would remind people like, hey, I just got my journeyman card, like, bear with me a little bit here. I'm not used to having people really asking me what to do throughout the day. And so a little bit of honesty goes a long way. But then you do have to pick up that mantle of that responsibility as kind of quickly as you can, as you're comfortable with. It's going to help you move forward. And it's honestly, whether you're apprentice or notices it or not or recognizes it or not it's good for them they're learning off of you and if you have knowledge to give like be assertive with it let them know that hey I'm here to teach you you're here to learn like this is how you further your career as well like we're both winning here and this again loops back to why that hierarchy at a job is important why why it's set up the way it is. People with the most knowledge should get to the top in a proper functioning meritocracy, which again, like I've found, most trade sites are like that. Brown nosers, they tend to only get so far before they're weeded out. So that's why it is important to assert yourself and take your place within that that company ladder. And now moving on with kids. We all know, or we've all seen those kids who are incredibly poorly behaved. A lot of the time they don't respect their parents. And, in my opinion, that has it hasn't it has very little to do with your method of disciplining your kids. I mean, i'm I'm not in your house. i'm I'm not gonna tell you what to do. That's not my place. I you know, I'm a parent. I, I don't like other entities telling me what to do all the time. So anyway, but we all know these kids, and it is infuriating to watch because there's just that lack of respect for parents or adults. And I'm very lucky that I didn't have that growing up even in the kind of broken home that I grew up in, I still grew up with a certain level of respect for both of my parents. And they reinforced that pretty well, like they, they just made it clear that this is the way things work. And I'm here to guide you, I'm here to help you, I'm here to do whatever I can for you. But recognize that I'm a parent, and you're a child. And I think nowadays, I mean, it seems like that that line, it's trying to be eliminated, which I don't understand, we're just we're going to be raising monsters. But it is very important for your child's development too. like there is nothing. There's nothing tyrannical or somehow oppressive of being a parent, like that's your job. You've been through however many years of life, you know, in my case, I'm, I've been around for 31 years, I've got a lot more experience in this than you guys do. I've gone through what you did. I saw how I dealt with it with my parents. I, I love them both. And, you know, they weren't easy on me. I, I appreciate the discipline, especially nowadays that I have kids, like it just gives me something to look back on and really base my parenting off of. And so, you know, don't be afraid to be a parent in that situation. That's, that's what you're there for. You're there to guide them through life to help them however you can. And if you don't, they just start to wander aimlessly and they'll, they'll walk all over you. I mean, our kids, if we slack off for a day or two and kind of, you know, get, let them get away with a little bit more around the house. They'll take that inch you give them and try to stretch it into a, a mile and they'll run that mile as fast as they can. So keep that in mind. You kind of got to, you got to keep on it. The key is consistency. It's again, it's the same with apprentices. This key is consistency. Let them know that you know what you're doing. You're going to guide them as best as you can, but that it's, it's a constant thing. You know, We aren't going to go two days where I'm telling you what to do. And then one day where you're giving me guidance for the day, it just doesn't work that way. And now kind of in closing here, I just wanted to remind you of like some of the key factors of this anger, this aggression, and just being able to assert yourself in the world, like all the people that we kind of look up to as these heroes, or even these mythical heroes that we were all fully aware of, like they all took on that mantle of that anger, that aggression, they harnessed it. You know, that's how dictatorships have been toppled in the past. That's how all these different, you know, wars are won. World War II, World War One, like these impossible battles, D-Day, whatever, you know, the Battle of Vimy Ridge, any of these battles, these huge moments in history have been conquered because of this side of masculinity. So there's no reason to push it to the side or be ashamed of it or anything like this is a huge driving force in the world. Yes, it can go array, get out of whack, but that's why it's important not to keep it bottled up, have something to direct it at and really aim at that with all your purpose and fuel all of this energy into it and you'll be amazed at how far you can go. And speaking of like these otherworldly people, these amazing accomplishments, these near mythic, you know, beings, we can talk about Michael Jordan, like I'm not a big basketball fan, I never have been, I'm Canadian. So you know, it, it doesn't really resonate the same way up here. But if you haven't seen the documentary on Netflix, The Last Dance, where basically, you know, it goes through their championship run and just their last crack at a title. And the last the last time Michael wanted to take a run at it. But that is insane, that documentary. I mean, it, it doesn't show, I, I imagine it doesn't show everything because I think Michael Jordan got final cutting privileges on that. But regardless, that guy on top of his amazing and seemingly unlimited talent he had a work ethic and a drive that matched it. And he was an absolute lunatic. But when it comes to harnessing that that aggression, that anger, and really being able to assert your will in whatever kind of field you're you're trying to win in or trying to accomplish, he was the best. There was nobody better than that. Like he would have to, sometimes if he didn't have kind of beef with another player, and again, this documentary goes into it really well, but he would make something up in his head and he would attribute it to a player on the other team maybe he'd make up that they had talked some smack about him or something just to get himself fired up and it really it aimed him at crushing his opponents and again I'm not saying that everything about Michael Jordan is perfect I'm sure it went overboard at times and in the documentary it kind of goes into that as well but what he was able to do by harnessing that and directing it at what he wanted to accomplish is incredible it's the reason why he's the best basketball player of all time and quite possibly One of the most famous athletes of all time across any sport. And also, I'm just going to, you know, this is something that I had written up as literally the only note for this episode, but it's, don't be a nice guy. Be kind. Move through life with purpose and determination. We're all familiar with the term nice guys finish last. And that's because it's true. They do. Kind guys are in short supply and great demand. No one wants a meek, wishy-washy, again, air quote, nice guy. Be capable of harnessing your aggression and stand up for what's right. Don't just bend to people's will out of fear they may think you're hard to deal with. Be hard to deal with. Be a capable and willful individual. Have a purpose and strive towards it. And that, again, that's really the point that I'm trying to hammer home with this episode. It's not all that easy because, again, even in my own life, I have gone off the rails with anger and aggression and just losing my mind. It's something that can really easily swallow you up. That's, again, why I will reiterate for the. 500th time this episode, find something to direct it at find something to fuel that energy that passion into and go for it. All right, everybody, that's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.